Today, the, the, we're moving into, again, the rise up, and today's getting connected to, to God. And we're going to kick off with that part, you know, getting connected to God. And, uh, and, and if you go to Acts chapter 2, after the, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to be working in Acts chapter 2. So if you just turn your Bibles there, and, and, and I'll be referring in there several times today. But, but Peter was preaching on the wonderful things that God has done for us. And we need to be reminded of the wonderful things that God has done for us. Because as we started off today, nothing else matters 10,000 years from now except what Jesus has done for us. And he's, and he's came for us. He, he, but anyway, I don't want to get into all that now. But, but let's just kick off this, this service today talking about the wonderful things that he's done with us. And point one is the, the power that is in Jesus' name. And if you read in Acts 2.21, Peter was saying to the people, you know, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God was moving. Things were happening. And he's saying there's power in Jesus' name that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's pretty exciting to me that, that, that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And last week I preached out of uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus' mission statement, where Jesus come into this world to liberate us and set us free. Jesus came in to deliver us, to bring us in relationship with God. And that's how much he loved us, that, that he came after us. So that everyone that calls upon his name will be saved. Jesus, God, wants all people to be saved. And, and I think that we need to realize that, yes, he came after us, but he came after us with power to do something about that. Uh, how many times when you're in a troubled or in a tough place and somebody comes to help you and they have nothing they can do to help you? Jesus came to help us, but he had power to change things. And that's what we need to remember today, that, that there's power in Jesus' name. Point two is God publicly endorsed us, but he did it through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to kick off here in Acts 2.22 now, but the people of Israel, this is Peter talking, said, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as well as you know. Endorse means to declare one's public approval of or support of. If you watch TV, you'll see that Aaron Rodgers, he's out there and he's endorsed by State Farm. And State Farm has, has put their trust into him to, to sell their product. He's been endorsed by State Farm. But something that stood out to me this week is O.J. Simpson is probably the best running back that ever hit football. And probably will never have his records beat. But he's not endorsed by anybody because of his lifestyle and, and the things that he's done. At least to my knowledge, he has no endorsements. He was convicted of murder. He was convicted of many things. And so he's not endorsed. But what the word is saying today that Jesus was endorsed by God. In other words, God put his seal on Jesus and said, you go after these people. You have the power to save them. I'm endorsing you to do that. And the proof of that was through his miracles through the things that he performed and that only God could do through somebody. And so he was endorsed by God to do these things. God also endorsed the apostles and the believers, us. And the proof was in his spirit. 
They performed many miracles and signs and wonders in Acts 2.43. And Peter and the author of Acts there, I guess that would probably been Luke that wrote that. But he was saying that the disciples performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And you can go over to Mark 6.15 and the Lord worked through them, confirming, endorsing what they said by many miraculous signs. So we see that the apostles, the, the disciples were endorsed by God. Guys, today I remind us that Christ not only came after us, he had the power to set us free, but he's also endorsed us. The believer, he said, truly, truly, Christ's words, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. God's endorsed us to do great works, to do things for him, to grow closer to him. And the proof is in our fruit. The proof is in what we do and how we respond to God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So God has endorsed us to produce fruit, to keep close to Him, to stay close to Him, and to be like Christ. Point three that we say in the scriptures today is in also in Acts 2, 23 and 24. Peter was saying to the people in the crowd, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. Now I wasn't going to talk about that today, but that's really stuck out to me that we don't realize that Christ went to the cross for us. We just assume back in the day that, that those people put him on the cross. I mean, they're the ones that beat him. They're the ones that put the thorns in his head. They're the ones that were there that day. But we need to realize, and God reminded me today, that he went to the cross for each and every one of us. We put him on the cross because of our sin. And we, not, we cannot forget that. And, and we can't sit back and say, I never did anything. Christ went to the cross for your sin as well. He had the power. He's anointed by God to come and save you. He had the power to endorse you. He had, he had the power to do all these things. But we need to realize that we put him on that cross too. The word goes on to say, but God released him from the, the horrors of death, raised him back to life, for death could not keep its grip on him. And we need to realize today that Satan's sin or death has no grip on Jesus. But we also need to realize today that we've been endorsed by God, the, the believer has, and that Satan's sin and death has no hold on us. And that's what was neat about Peter, that, that he goes back and, and, and just quotes David. And David's own words in Psalm says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Here David was several hundred years before prophesying about the Savior that would come that would defeat Satan, sin, and death so that he would not decay in the grave, but he would live forever. Christ came after us so that we too could live forever. God also kept his promises with Adam and Eve and said that when the and the Lord said, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head at your head and you will strike at his heels. In other words, that's a prophecy that, that God gave right in the beginning in Genesis 3.15 that Jesus would come and that he would save his people. 
that Satan's sin and death would have no effect on us, the believers. God kept his promise to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yesterday when I was working on this and updating and just kind of touching up this sermon, I got a call about 3 o'clock that, that, that Abby had been life-fighted to Joplin. Pray. They get to Joplin. And, and Abby Phipps is who I'm talking about. And they get to Joplin and they text me and say, you know, if this doesn't change, then she's going to just be blunt, going to go home and be with the Lord. Well, things didn't change. And, and the Lord is so good, but, but by jumping in the car and we drive down there and Abby passed away yesterday. And, and, and she will not see decay because she's with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we put it in that perspective, and, and, and I know I've been rambling off all these things today and, and firing at you. Guys, you ought to try to preach in an hour what God's put on my heart. And you ought to try to do it in 30 minutes. And so it seems I'm doing this all the time. But, but guys, we need to realize that there's power in Jesus' name, that he came after us, that he, he endorsed us, and that Satan, sin, and death has no hold on us. We can rejoice because in 10,000 years, we will be worshiping him. We will be in a better place. And, and I just don't talk about it. Abby is in a better place. She is with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is, point four, the Lord and the Messiah. Peter went on to say in Acts 2, 36, to let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be Lord and Messiah. And that's our job. That's, that's the believer's job is to let people know this. But Lord means someone having power, authority, and influence over a master and a ruler. Meaning there's nobody above Jesus. President Trump is below Jesus, way below. Anybody you can imagine is below Jesus. Satan himself is way below Jesus. Satan's below you if you walk in the authority that God has given you. He's under your feet. But Jesus is the master. He's the top notch. And there's no other name above his name. I remember we was doing foster care years ago. And we got a call to take this girl in, and it was a real bad situation. And she wasn't from around here, but, but when they went to pick this girl up, or they found this girl, she had a log chain around her neck tied to, a, a, if I got it right, a, like a gooseneck trailer outside of her house. Chained to a gooseneck trailer. If she got out of the weather, to get out of the weather, she had to go in the gooseneck trailer. Don't know how severe it was, just know it was bad. Uh, think it was a stepdad, don't know for sure. But, but her life was torment. Young 12-year-old girl. They brought her to us and we loved on her. We, we tried to treat her like our kids the best we could. Man, we did everything we knew to show her the love of Christ, to, to let her experience the love of God. Brought her to church. Man, she was hearing powerful words. The kids embraced her. All these things, but she could never get past the way she was treated. She believed what she was that, to the, 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 that her father or whoever said she was. 
that you're a no good. You'll always be a no good. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Blah, blah, blah. And I can remember one day, we'd worked with this girl several times, and she'd just bust up and cry and just weep and weep and weep. And we was at the dinner table one day, and I just remember uh, she had her Bible in front of her, and, and, and I walked in there, and I said, how you doing? And, and I said, you know, the Lord loves you, just kind of just talking, and she began to weep. And sometime in there, she had thrown her Bible up. Nobody opened, but nobody was paying attention. But she began to weep crocodile tears. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm just, the Lord could never save me. And I was saying everything I could think to say. And I was at my wits end, nothing was working. But I looked down at her Bible and her crocodile tears had fallen on the Bible that, that sometime in the, that process was opened by her. And her crocodile tears were falling on, believe it or not, John three sixteen. And boy, I saw that and, and I, I wanted to move her my Bible first because it was staying in her Bible. And I grabbed it and the Lord hit me, talk to her. And I said, hey, look, look, look what's going on here. Did you open your Bible to that page on purpose? No. Well, see what it says here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe it in me should not perish but have eternal life. The power of Jesus took authority in her life that day. The power of Jesus loved on her, uh, uh, saved her, set her free, endorsed her, and she accepted Christ that day. And it was nothing I did. I'd done all I knew to do. It was the power of God, the presence of God, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, that came in and, and won her to him. We need to realize the power that's in his name. You know, this sermon went on, and, and Peter was, to be honest with you, was what I'm preaching to you today is what Peter was preaching to the crowd that day. These four points, and I've missed a couple in there, but, but uh, I, I just thought that was what the Lord wanted me to say. But, but he said these four points, if you will, and that the people were so moved by the word of God and the things that are going on, you jump down to Acts 2.37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's the first thing. Repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So that's the second thing. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the third thing. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. So when they cried out, what must we do? Jesus simply says, repent of your sins, turn away from them, be baptized in the name of Jesus for forgiveness, then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But before any of those things could happen, they had to repent and turn away from. They had to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. And when they did that, Jesus moves in. And Jesus does his thing. Jesus empowers them and does all that. But this repenting thing, guys, is so important. And we think so many times it stops at salvation, but it doesn't. We need to continue to repent. Repent brings us closer to the Lord. Repenting it is a good thing. But a lot of times when you hear the word repent, you put a wall up. But repent brings refreshing. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you make your wife mad and you say, honey, I'm sorry. 
Things get better, don't they? That's repenting. Have you ever been in a fight with somebody, an argument with somebody, and, and you get tired of them, and you finally butt heads with them, and you guys have it out? You get done, and you say, boy, I'm glad we did that. You repented and got things out on the table. But you finish up most times saying, man, I'm, I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. Oh, I'm sorry for the way you treated me, and you kiss and love and all that stuff. But repenting brings in the grace and love of God. And, and why do we want to avoid that? And you say, well, pastor, you don't have to repent after you get saved. You, you preach it all the time. You preach all the time that, that you're no longer judged for unrighteousness, but you're judged for righteousness. You're right. That's true. But we get to get closer to God. So when we see things that are alive, we repent of them because we want to get closer to God. We don't want them in our lives. Go to the, the revelations. Lord hit me. That's what I was writing up here when we were singing and trying to get in my head. But the Lord reminded me of the seven churches in Revelation and how he went to the seven churches. Five of the seven, he asked them to repent. Two of them for sexual immorality. Boy, wasn't he calling the world out today? Man, that also refers to the church in the last day. Sexual immorality is running rampant in the world and in the churches, and we need to repent of it. No amens on that one, huh? Okay. But they had to repent of being dead. In the spirit. They had to be repent of these different things. But repent so that I can come to you. Is a lot of the words that Christ would say in Revelation. But repenting is allowing to get that junk out of the way. So that you can experience more of God. And if we love God. We want to get more junk out of our lives. So that we can experience more of him. But Peter went on. And if you guys go to the second sermon. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19. When he got called out again in front of the crowd, Peter said to them, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That's why we repent, so our sins can be wiped out. When we make a mistake tomorrow, which I will, and the next day I may make a mistake, I can repent and it's wiped out so that times of refreshing will come. So that's explaining what I just said to you today. When we repent, times of refreshing will come. I remember the day that I got saved and that load was lifted off. I wrote in a diary and I never kept a diary. I started one because I was so excited about the Lord. But man, it was just like a weight was lifted off. Repent, signs of refreshing. Refreshings will come. And they come from the presence of the Lord. This is all scripture here. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So when we repent, we're forgiven, times of refreshing will come, and the presence of the Lord will be with us. So after we're saved, and I'm just going to take a little bit deeper, if I'm in a rage, and I'm yelling, cussing, screaming, the Lord's not in there, right? But then I get convicted of yelling, cussing, and screaming, and I begin to say, oh God, I'm sorry, forgive me of that. Times of refreshing comes in, the Spirit comes in, and begins to do a work in me. Now, I used anger for a good example because I've battled anger for years. Used to, I'd get so mad I'd foam at the mouth. Being a Christian, and now I don't get that way. I've grown in the Lord through his refreshing, through his renewing. Repenting sets us free. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Some, 
Some uh, Bibles say, deliver us from all unrighteousness. He sets us free. As I was writing this this week, the Lord spoke to me and he said, would you rather have rehab or repentance? Now think about that. Would you rather have rehab or repentance? Rehab is a course of treatment designed to reverse the deliberating effects of a situation. So I may go into rehab for drug use. And it through time, they may work me through it. They may get me through it. And I may get through drugs, but I may have a relapse. And I may work through it, but I, I, I you know, what I'm getting at here, why would we want to do rehab when we can repent and be set free, be delivered? And I'm not knocking rehab here today. But I believe when we confess with our mouth a sin and confess Jesus over it, it's gone. My alcohol problem years ago, I repented and I never touched it again. My lust problem, I repented not to touch it again. The anger that I told you about, I can go on and on. I'm trying to think of things because there's so many of them. But you can't turn away not to look at them again. See, repenting is deadheading junk out of your life so that you can be beautiful. I went through Walmart last night and really wasn't planning on this. But this plant here likes the sun. Even the little card on there says, I love sun. Okay. Spring has sprung. What even rhymes? That's pretty cool. I love sun. Spring has sprung. But there's three plants in here, Sylvia, Madrigals, and Dusty Miller. But the reason I brought these out is this plant likes sun. And when it gets sun, it's beautiful. This is the same plant, and it likes sun, but it wasn't in the environment it needed to be in. And look at it. And these two plants are both at Walmart. But when we repent and we come in and we start cutting out these deadheads and these things in our life, and it'll take me forever to do that, but we start cleaning this plant up. And the reason I say that is I worked at Freeman there for years. And one year I got this bright idea that I was going to deadhead all the marigolds, which is this, this one here. And Mark, I had our people go out and deadhead all the marigolds in front of the hospital. In other words, once they popped, you deadhead them all off. And we began to do that. And everybody says, well, that's the color. That's the life. But what it did is it forced the, the nutrients and everything to the root system and to the base. And the thing grew stronger and stronger. Then after a month, I said, let it go. And we had the, the, the strongest, the most beautiful marigolds that we ever had in that facility. And that's what it does when you deadhead the dead, the crud in your, that's why I call it deadhead, the crud in your life, you're going to be beautiful. And if I went through this plant here and I'm going to do that, probably not today because it'll take me another hour and you guys don't want to be there that long. But, but if I cleaned all the deadheads out of this and began to put this, this bush in the, or this plant in the right environment, it's going to look like that plant in a few days. And that'll another be another subject that can preach today. You know, brother, I received the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've done all these things. I repented. 
and my life still, I'm struggling because of these things. Well, there's consequences for putting ourselves in a bad environment. And we see that, you know, I cleaned up some of the dead in this plant here, but we still see the consequences of putting ourselves in a bad environment. But over time, if we stay close to God, again, we're going to be beautiful. And that's all repenting is, is cutting the, the junk out of our life, cutting the crud out of our life so that we can be more beautiful in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You guys understand that today? So we can, as Christians, we can look like this plant over here on the left or your right and just get through life and, and look kind of pathetic and everybody wonder if you're a Christian sometimes. Or we can be some deadheading in our life and be beautiful for our Lord and Savior Christ. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Now, I spent a lot of time on this part of the passage today because the Lord told me to. Again, as I was writing this, uh, I'd been texting Angie Cook and different ones back and forth. And we had talked about all this repenting and stuff to her. You know, Angie has been in jail. She's been in prison. She's had her kids taken away from her through DFS. She's went through it all. And God has come in and took a life that looked like this and made it look like this. And most people wouldn't even know it. But I asked her yesterday, would you rather rehab or repent? And oh boy, I got a sermon and all the rehab she went through. But when she started repenting, things changed. But as we talked off and on all day, I get done with the sermon and, I, and, I'm, and I'm walking away from it. And the scripture of the day, at least for my Bible reading, was therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Wow. So we repent, pray together so that we can be healed and we can be more glorious for the Lord. Then it goes on to say the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Repenting and, and, and praying for each other brings healing and there's great power in us and behind us. And then lo and behold, I went to the internet and Gary Dumb sent a word out yesterday that he believed the Lord told him. And none of this was made up. This is just God. Excuse me. But his word said, my son, judgment is ever before you. Judgment stands at your door ready to be executed where sin resides. It goes before a person. It goes before a nation. It goes before a culture which, chosen to, which chose, chooses to ignore me and my ways. Those who are unwilling to repent and change from their evil ways will experience the fullness of my judgment. They cannot escape it. History is full of examples of those who chose to worship idols, follow false gods, be led by the futility of their own minds, exalt themselves above me, deny my existence, who by their choices experience the judgment unto physical and spiritual death. Judgment cannot be escaped unless there is a repentance and a willingness to come under the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and strength to live by my precepts. Where there is a potential for judgment, there's also potential for forgiveness for those who choose to receive it. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Kind of confirms what the Lord is telling us. That repentance brings revival. 
you guys go back, one of the greatest evangelists ever, ever was Ravenhill. And that was his quote. Why revival tarries is the book. And he said, repentance brings revival. So when we cry out to the Lord, I want to know you. What must I do? Repent of your sins, meaning turn away. Be baptized in water, salvation for the forgiveness of sins. And receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But I'm going to quickly close out with this today. In Acts 2.42, and I believe the, the, the best, uh, if you want to go through rehab, the best way that you can rehab or the best way that you can get on your feet is to do what the early church did in Acts 2.42. You know, Peter preached this sermon and 3,000 people got saved. So they had a church of 3,000 immediately. Man, I had a church of 73 last week immediately, and I'm already nervous. Man, do we need to do this? We've got to do this. What have we got to do? What have we got to get them back? What are we going to do here? Joel's been there. He's been at church plants before. They had 3,000. And the scripture says what they did was all the believers, in other words, believers means they had repented and they're getting their life right with God, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We see these four priorities in the church. One, they devoted to tell and teach and obey Jesus Christ. Jesus' own words, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples how to obey all the commandments I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you want to get better in your relationship with Jesus, tell, teach, and obey. Tell others about him, teach others about him, obey him. Second thing, fellowship. Their type of fellowship was a partnership and interaction, helping one another, sharing sympathy, mutual communication. They knew each other. They experienced each other. They reminded me of when I was a kid. I don't know if you guys remember, but but dad built a ball. We farmed where Rick Morgan's farm is. And dad took prime farmland right beside the house, north of the house, and built a full-size baseball field. It was so nice that people would come and ask us to do tournaments there. Ball tournaments. Pitchers mound, the bases, the backstop, the work. And every Sunday, we played baseball or softball in the summer. In the winter, we played football. Tom, you remember that probably. Tom came over and we was crazy Indians, but we played football. The Lehman's over here. You guys are all too young to remember, but your dad come over and played football and softball. The Crockett's. The Freedons, the Diggs, the Morgans. I can go on and on. The Comptons. Uh, this goes on and on and on. I shouldn't have started calling names out. But here it is 40 years later, and we're still tight friends. 
because of a fellowship and a bonding that took place. Yeah, we had our ups and downs, a lot of broken legs, broken arms, broken hearts out there on that field. But we grew together in the things of God. Three, they shared their meals. They experienced life together. Potluck dinners. I remember those that the church had here at Oakton. And that's the sad thing. We got so big that we kind of backed away from them. And that's what the skate night is that we're doing at the end of this month. That spun off the old potluck dinners we used to have. But once a month, we came out here and just hung out and ate together and just hung out together. And that's what we're trying to establish through these life groups, through these Men's Stronger conferences, through all these things. Because when we come together, we experience life together and we grow stronger together. And the fourth thing, they devoted themselves to prayer. Man, they prayed together. They prayed all the time. They prayed the the morning, noon, and night. I think the way the Jews used to do it, the Christians picked that up. But there was power in their prayer. If you go over to Acts chapter 4, when they were abused and beaten and, and discouraged from preaching the word of God, they didn't run to their mom and dad. They run to their church. Did you guys ever catch that now? I shouldn't say their mom and dads may have been in the church. Nobody knows. But, but they went to the church. Peter and John went to the church and said, these things have happened to us. And the church goes, oh, my goodness. And they began to pray together. They began to stand together on the things of God and began to pray for boldness. You can read about the prayer. It's a long prayer. It's a powerful prayer. If you want to learn how to pray, worship God, talk about the wonders of God, talk about the problem, and then answer. And the place, there was such a move of the Spirit in that body that day that the place was shaken. And they were filled and renewed with the Holy Spirit. Prayer, fellowship, eating together, standing together, devoted to God and the things of God. That's what makes us strong. That's what makes us grow and become this plant over here. That's what makes us go from looking like this, deadheading and getting rid of things to looking like this. Know God. Know his people. But we're here today because of Jesus' great power. As we close out today, the Lord told me two things here lately that we need to be focusing on is prayer, 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 and experience. And and we see that experience just in the two chapters. Of, I think I went to, to Acts chapter 4. But just in those two chapters, 2, 3, and 4, I guess, 3,000 were saved. That's experienced. Each day, people were being brought into the church. Can you imagine that? Your church is so on fire that somebody got saved every day. There was a man healed after 40 years of being disabled, couldn't walk. Then 5,000 were saved. Everyone was praising God. Did you guys realize that, that in Acts 4.21, when uh, the whole church was praising God, where the disciples were at, that's why they didn't kill them. They wanted to kill them. But they thought if they did any more, they would stone them because the people were praising God. Man, that's power. That's the church. 
so powerful that government couldn't do anything. Their hands were tied because everyone was praising God. Then the story I just showed you about the place was shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit when they cried out to God. But this experience comes from when God judges our heart, if you will, and looks at our heart. And we see things in there that don't need to be there. And we say, Lord, I'm sorry. Take this away from me. And then times of refreshing come, that experience. Christ comes in your life even more and even stronger in your life. And the reason I say that to you today is I believe the Lord has spoke to you today. Either that or you're perfect. Half time when I'm preaching, I'm repenting as I, pre- or as I write these sermons of things that are in my life. Thank you, Lord, for showing me these things. Help me to get this junk out of my life so that I can be what you called me to be. So that I can experience the fullness of you. God has showed and revealed himself to you today. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then you need to accept him. Experience his presence. Walk out of here like I did when I was saved and said, Lord, man, there's just a load lifted off. Or at times of my life when I was battling things and, and, and had let Satan get a foothold in my relationship. And I said, oh God, I see that. I repent. You know, I got so fed up with things in the church that I quit church for six months. When I was a fireball, I, quit, I got so frustrated with church that I quit for six months. Thought I was all this, all that, that I was just too good to go. And boy, the Lord come to me and, and man, we had a set down. And he showed me real quick I needed to be in church. But it was in a nice way. And I repented and said, Lord, forgive me. And times of refreshing came. So as we go through our relationship with Jesus and God speaks to us, we know that he's got that power and authority. We know that he's been endorsed by God. We know that he's been sent to set us free. That he's Lord of Lord, King of Kings. That all we got to do is receive it. It's done. Nothing's standing in the way. Nothing's keeping you from God. Nothing. Other than yourself. You can keep yourself from God, but nothing else can. So these altars are open today. If there's things God's dealing with you about, just come up and give them to him so that times of refreshing can come. You want all of him. You're designed for him. You're designed to, to be in relationship with him. And that's a lot of times why we're miserable is because we're not where we need to be. So praise team.